welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So I'm not going to finish, but uh, I'm going to try and go through a few more scriptures that you have to really understand for healing. Okay, and I want to look at Isaiah 53 because we haven't looked at that. So we've gone through like the Old Testament um, law and the, well, the festivals really. It was the feasts and festivals, not so much the law, but it was the things that were instituted um, that, that kind of point towards the fact that healing is a done deal at the cross. So a lot of Christians believe that Jesus went to the cross and our sin is forgiven but they don't believe that Jesus went to the cross and our sickness is healed. So we think our sin is forgiven, but our sickness, we have to do something else additionally to get healing. So we have to persuade God to heal us, whereas we know that we don't have to persuade God to forgive us because we know that something happened at the cross where we can be forgiven. So Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet and he prophesied this uh, well this bit of a prophecy in uh, recorded in Isaiah 53 and it's talking about the cross and um, it, it's talking about Jesus even in Isaiah 52 it's talking about Jesus it's talking about this man that would be uh, killed and would be rejected and nobody would really understand what it was that he was doing so it says you know we, we thought we thought that God was punishing him, but actually God wasn't punishing him. God was punishing sin because he became sin. And uh, if you want to use that word, punishing, but in this context, it says that. And there's a there's quite a sad miss um, translation in a lot of English versions. Usually, the German versions that we've had have got it right. Um, so Isaiah 53, starting at verse. 3 says he is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we did not esteem him so that's talking about the rejection of Jesus and then it's this very famous verse in verse 4 which says in my bible it says surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows and we think, right, okay, carried our griefs, that means, well, when we're sad that somebody dies, he comforts us, and our sorrow, that means when we're sad, he... But I don't know if anybody's got another translation, or if you've got a German translation, or... What do you have? This is um, New King James. I've got an NIV. But actually, there is a little mark, because mine's a study Bible, there's a little mark, you know, to a footnote. His message. I don't know what the message says. I think uh, Isaiah 53, 4. Just, yeah, it's... Uh, it's the first big prophet. Pain and suffering. So yours says pain. They don't have like... Yeah, it's hard in the older message. He was down yeah, after that. Mm-hmm. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him thought he was gone. But the fact is, with our pain to carry, our disfigurement, all these things wrong with us. Yeah, so that's not, uh, not quite doing it either. Oh, go on. 
Yeah. So that word born is quite interesting. Um, so do you remember when we talked about the Day of Atonement and we talked about the fact that the priest put his put the hands on the head of the goat and the goat bore the sin of the people and went outside the camp. So it separated the sin from the people. Well, that's the same word. So it's to do with carrying on your body and taking it away from somebody. So that that's the same word. Um, what have you got, Ophelia? Anything? German, is it? Well, that's actually the more accurate translation, and in fact, huh? Luther. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> Must be right. Is it? Is it which place yeah, yeah. <laughs> so actually, it talks about sickness and pain, and if you look at it, if you have a study Bible, my study Bible does refer to that. So it says this word, um, grief, is the word for sickness and the word that is translated sorrow is pain so it's saying he carried our sickness and pain well some of them do because sometimes they they had a if you're if you're translating a bible from a particular point of view with all the best will in the world it's never going to be a perfect translation it's why a lot of the you know a lot of the translations are quite anti-women and there's even evidence that they change names of women to make them sound like more masculine men because it did more make them sound like men because it just didn't suit the theology or the the current social thinking that god would ever say that so it couldn't be right it, so some of them do some of them do say so basically what he's saying surely he has borne our sickness and carried our pain yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by god and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. So what it's basically saying is he took it all. He took all of the suffering and the pain and the sickness. And then it says, and by his stripes we are healed. So um, does anybody know what that means? His stripes, yeah. So at the, at the cross he got... At the, yeah, he, they, they um, whipped him. Yeah, So there is this kind of um, prophetic picture of what would happen at the cross. And sorry, I, can't, I just can't find it. I wrote it down somewhere. Um, you'll just have to believe me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a number of other scriptures in the Old Testament that use these words, cholly and whatever the other word is. And every time it translates it sickness or pain. Um, so it's, it's weird because in other parts of the Bible, those exact same words are translated sickness and pain, but just in this version it isn't. So I, I will find it in a, in a minute. I thought it was there. Um, and um, so basically what it's saying is that at the cross, Jesus bore our sickness and our 
pain. So the issue of the cross is not just forgiveness of sin, it's also our healing. And it says by his stripes we are healed. So that is the, the source and root of our healing. It's not by anything else that we are healed. Here it is. So, okay, um, if you just want to write it down, so this word that is translated grief is the um, Hebrew word koli, C-H-O-L-I. H-O-L-I, choli. So Deuteronomy 7, 15, you can just write them down, but I'm just giving you as an example. This is another place in the Bible where the Hebrew word choli is used, and um, it says, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were, sorry, 7.15, wrong one. Um, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness, all choli. Okay, that's not talking about some kind of spiritual event. It's not talking about some kind of being made whole and being made spiritually well. That the promise here of that word is God will take away from you all sickness. Um, Deuteronomy 28:61. That's the curses chapter. Um, also, every sickness and every plague. So that's every cholly and every plague. So the point I'm trying to make is, it's referring to physical sickness. In every other time in the Bible where that word in the Old Testament where that word is. 1 Kings 17, 17. So it's true. Why do they translate it different in that passage? Well, it's just, it's probably... Well, yeah, because I've always got taught that even if it did say sickness, it was mm. referring to a spiritual soul. A spiritual soul, soul. yeah, that's right. So it's always like... Um, 1 Kings 17, 17. Um, now it happened after these things that the son of a woman who owned the house became cholly sick and his cholly sickness was so serious there was no breath left in him 2 kings 1 2 talking about uh, hezekiah i think 2 kings 8 8 2 chronicles 16 12 2 chronicles 21 15 and the only time other time in the old testament that this word sorrow which is makob m a k o b which is pain is in job 33:19 and that's Macob, M-A-K-O-B. So, and it says, man is also chastened with pain on his bed and with strong pain in many of his bones. It's talking about pain. It's not talking about some kind of spiritual kind of pain. It's talking about, about physical pain. And um, so there's this prophecy that says there's something about Jesus on the cross that deals with our sickness, and that is physical sickness and physical pain. And um, this scripture that is that you know says, and by his stripes you are healed, is referred to back again in the New Testament. So in Matthew 8, um, Jesus has started his ministry. And um, they were at Peter's house, and it says, now Jesus had come. So this is Matthew 8, 14. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. And then it says in verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which 
was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. So it's telling us here, this, this event, this healing of the sick and the casting out of demons and you know, all that was going on, which was physical healing. It wasn't some kind of spiritual or being made one with God kind of healing. It was physical. They were healed of their sicknesses. So it tells us this might be fulfilled, that which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. So the New Testament writers are recognizing that this physical healing that Jesus did is, is, is about this promise that was made in Isaiah. Now, I know we get a bit confused because this is before the cross and it hasn't been paid for yet, but there's that, you know, there's that kind of tension between the fact that uh, somehow after the cross it worked backwards as well because they, Jesus healed those who had faith. So they came to him with faith and, or faith was the, not everybody. The foundation of the earth. Okay, <laughs> correct. It just, my, my head goes around, doesn't it? It's like, oh. okay, 1 Peter 2, 24. 1 Peter 2, 24. It says, it's, this is talking about the suffering of Christ. So it says, in 21 for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us that as an example you should follow in his steps so it's it's saying this is what Jesus did it's talking about the suffering of Jesus it says 24 who himself bore again bore carried our sins in his own body on the tree and you know I'm sure you know that verse in um, 2 Corinthians 5 21 I think that says uh, he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So on the cross, Jesus became sin. He, he somehow became sin. So he didn't just kind of do something about sin and say, okay, well, I'm going to forget about sin or I'm going to, you know, not look at it or I'm going to cover it. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So... He bore our sin on his body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. So that's the quote again of Isaiah, except of course it's past tense now because it's after the cross. So it's by his stripes you were healed. So the, it's, the, it's the event that gives us the right to healing and it's part of the cross. And it's part of what Jesus did. And what Jesus did is, is he completely made a public spectacle of all, all of the powers and principalities in Colossians, it tells us that. And it was a complete work and it was paid and it was paid in full. And in fact, it was overpaid. Uh, there's a little verse in Isaiah that says he'll pay double for our sins. So it was, you know, it was overpaid what Jesus did at the cross. And that's why he says it's finished. Referring back to that psalm. It, this this is what this is about and it's complete, it's done, it's settled. So there's something about what happened at the cross that is more than forgiveness of sin. And my personal belief is somewhere down the line the church lost half of it. So most people in the church would have no problem believing that at the cross um, Jesus died and something happened then that our sin can be forgiven. But most of the church still has an issue with the fact that 
healing is completely ours, done, settled, finished, no questions about it, all done. And the reason we struggle with that is because we have no evidence of our sin being forgiven. We just believe it. But with sickness, if you still got your cough or you still got your whatever, you start to doubt. And that's why, because sickness is a physical thing. And forgiveness, we just do have it by faith. We've got no evidence of it, but we believe it and we live in the benefit of it. And somehow, if we could do that for sickness in a, in a way, then that's one of the keys to healing. But I think the reason we did that list at the beginning and the reason why I kind of go on about all this stuff is I think the only way that you can overcome all of the doubt and unbelief and all of the other teaching and all of the very persuasive thoughts that say God didn't heal me, I prayed and God didn't heal me, whatever, even saying that is unbelief because he did heal you, he healed you 2,000 years ago. I'm I'm quite happy to accept that you're not seeing physical healing yet. But as long as we are confessing stuff that isn't correct, it's kind of unbelief. So I think as long as we keep our confession correct, because my heart is to see more healing. It's not to have anybody in condemnation or anything, but it's, it's like I think we've got a big problem because we don't see healing as we should see it in the church. So what do you do about that? Well, you either say God doesn't heal anymore so never mind that's just how it is god doesn't heal so we'll all go to the doctor and live happily ever after and forget about it or you end up with a kind of philosophy of healing which is a big mixture of healing but god uses the doctor healing but god wants us sick healing but god's teaching us a lesson healing but you know and you we get in which is where most of us probably still are and i can also live in that place because every time i pray for the sick they don't get healed and every time i pray for me i don't you know, I don't yet live in divine health. But I think the biggest shift for me was, I'm not in this camp. I'm not in this camp anymore. You know, in, in theory, I'm not saying in practice. It was, I'm in this camp. And this camp says, you know, I'm very convinced by the word of God. That it's settled, it's finished, it's done. It was part of God's design. It was part of his heart for man. He, does, he never intended us to be sick. He never, you know, he never... He, Yes, he put in our bodies an ability to heal and recover, but that's, that's still part of his plan, that we would be well. You know, if we cut ourselves, we heal. You know, if we, if we get a virus, we've got a great immune system and we get better kind of thing. So, so God knew there would be a, you know, something that living on the earth physically would come against our body, but he gave us an amazing, fantastic system. You think about it. How we can ever live is a miracle. I mean, we've got millions of bacteria on us, and we, I mean, you just, you think about the way God designed our human body. It's just absolutely amazing. So I think it's a, it's, it's, we've lost it as a church. And whether that was a deliberate thing in the, over the centuries, or whether it's just people got so frustrated at not seeing healing. But in the early church, they did. And there's some writings of the early church that is just like, fascinating because they're like you know talk about doctors and medicine and to say well that's not that's not for us as Christians and that's not to say you should or shouldn't I'm just saying that our heritage was healing because of this but over the centuries we've lost it and most of us have now come to a point where we're not very persuaded that God is really the healer either because we just living on our experience or because we are a bit angry or frustrated at God, which I've definitely been when it comes to healing, um, 
or because we've got a theology that has persuaded us that God doesn't heal today, you know. Yeah, culture and and to be honest, sorry, I just give me one. We have a fantastic healthcare system, and in a way, we don't have to believe for healing because it's no need. But you go to a place where, if you want to have chemotherapy for your granddad, you've got to sell all your houses, and you know, suddenly it becomes a completely different issue of whether you're gonna just for healing. Go on. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, exactly. He healed him because they knew that he knew that that would be what they struggled with the most. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is Jesus saying it's the same thing. It's actually part of the whole big deal, which in a way is good news for those of us who believe, because we can cut out all this super duper faith you need for sickness because if you believe and you're saved and you're you know you're living in forgiveness then you don't need anything else you don't need super duper faith you don't need anything extra to believe for healing i'm not saying we don't have a problem we do have a problem because a lot of us do not yet live in divine health but my kind of heart is how do we deal with that problem do we just get better doctors and all become doctors do we just put more money into research for drugs? Do we, do we just give up and say, well, God doesn't heal today? Because that's very easy. It's a great way to live because you just don't have to bother anymore. Uh, you know, I've done that for a time in my life, you know, in, in my life, because you just think, I'm just like, God, forget about it. I'm not. Or you just believe that God's just doing a bit of a miracle for the fun of it when he feels like it, you know, or whatever. But I think, no, my fundamental belief system is sickness is dealt with. It's dealt with at the cross, healing is our right, and all the rest is just nonsense. And it's very real nonsense for some of us at some of the time. And you don't have to be sick for very long before you start getting all these waves of, you know, must be something you did, God must be teaching you a lesson, you know, you've not got faith, um, God's not really bothered in you, God's not healing you today. Or if you've got a different theology of faith, you didn't fast enough, you didn't pray enough, you didn't go to church enough, you didn't read your Bible enough, you didn't blah, 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 blah. Or another theology, sin, curse, you've not confessed your sin enough, you've not. Which is what happens with a lot of Christians who are sick. But, but then actually, a prayer with three or four words should be enough to heal. Actually, I don't think you have to pray for healing. You command healing. Yeah, you don't ask God to heal you because actually that's unbelief in a way. Because he's already, he's like standing in heaven saying, look guys, what else do you want me to do? You know, I, I, I was on the cross and I can't actually do anything else. Now, of course God can do stuff. He can bring people along who will encourage your faith. But when we pray for healing, God is not up in heaven with his arms crossed thinking, you must be joking, I'm not healing you. It, it's, like, it's like putting the plug in the socket. You're not then waiting for the electricity company to start generating power. It's just there. You just have to put your plug in the socket. Now, I agree we all have a problem putting our plug in the socket because we don't yet live in divine health. But if, you're end, if, if the end of that kind of problem is there's a problem with God, we've got a big problem. And most Christians will end up, well, it's a problem with God, i.e., you didn't heal me yet. 
He doesn't want to heal me. He wants me sick. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not forgiven. And, the, uh, and I have a problem with that because as Christians, if we are living with this deep-rooted lie, really, about God, then it's called unbelief. And it's called, it's just called, so I, I really try, I don't succeed all the time, but I really try and not blame God in my, in my talking, because it isn't God's fault. How do you blame yourself? Well, not necessarily, no. <laughs> just blame, no, but it becomes not blame, really. But I, if we default at blaming God, we really, it's really hard in our, because that is the, really the big thing that hinders faith. And so then you get into this vicious circle that, you, that your faith isn't really effective because you're living in a lot of unbelief. And so, so I think this is quite a key to healing because I think you, you get it right, but you believe it, you believe that, that you know, the, the truth of what the Bible says, know it's done at the cross, um, no, you don't need extra faith to do it. And, and, and I think, well, let's push on and see how we see more healing. But I know a lot of ways that we don't see more healing. So we don't see more healing by not praying it for anybody. We don't see more healing by believing God doesn't heal anymore. We don't see more healing by believing God gives us sickness and pain. We don't see more healing by believing that God doesn't really want us healed. You know, it, all of these things do not add up to more healing. What does add up to more healing is, I know he's done it. I've no idea why we don't see it at times. We have some clues. Um, but if you look for a biblical answer, the only answer is unbelief. No, it's unbelief, which is very different to faith. So you can completely believe, but your unbelief can prevail. So it's like a push me, pull you kind of situation. So we have the faith of Jesus. We do not have a problem with our faith. But faith is not seen. And we have a big problem because we live in the seen and we struggle a lot to live in the unseen. So we make conclusions based on the seen. Oh, I'm not healed. God didn't heal me. God doesn't want me healed. God, God, whatever. And in doing that, we kind of get into, we, we hinder our own We'll come up with our own yeah, unbelief solutions. Exactly. Quote of the week. Please let somebody write that down. We come up with our own unbelief solutions. Exactly. I wish I'd said it myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what it is. Um, so, go on. There's anything well I think don't think there is anything that believe, that says um, I think we all entertain unbelief whether we know it or not I mean we can fight against it yeah yeah I think I think the problem is sometimes when you talk this talk of not confessing unbelief and all the rest of it which I absolutely agree with I also do not agree with living in unreality so don't believe you know that you've got your arm hanging off and you say oh there's nothing wrong with my arm because that is not the way forward either you know, it's, it's, it's speaking into being that that doesn't yet exist. So you don't say, my arm's not falling off. You say, 
this arm is has been healed already. It, it's faith is speaking into being what doesn't yet exist. It's pulling down the reality of what is done in heaven into reality on earth. Faith is is speaking into being that that doesn't yet exist in our physical reality. Right. It exists in the heavenly reality. Well, we have authority, and healing is an issue of authority. And that authority says, I know what is the truth. I know it's finished. I know it's paid for. I know it's settled. I know God's heart is healing. I know he's, I know he's done everything he can ever do for my healing. So I'm not waiting for a thunderbolt from heaven. I'm not waiting for him to say, yeah, okay, then, and, you know, send a thunderbolt. But but we do have an issue with this connection, you know, with the plug. And... and it's a big deal. It's, it's a big issue. What what that is? Uh, it's not the only thing. I think there are there are corporate issues that we deal with. You know, so we are a body, and there's all sorts of stuff that that goes on, and we don't yet see the fullness. And sometimes I don't know why we just don't yet see the fullness. And yes, by faith we can live in heaven on earth, but we yet don't live in heaven on earth. That's our job, it's our privilege and our right, but, you know, it isn't yet 100%. But that's not because it's not in God's heart and it's not because he hasn't done it. If you can imagine, I've got like loads of mates with all slightly variations of this. <coughs> Luckily, I live in really amazing health. just don't uh, you don't ask the question why in that way not in the accusatory way of you know why God I think it's a perfectly valid question to ask God and say I'm I'm struggling not seeing the healing that I know is mine is there an issue and to be honest that there might be an issue you know if you are uh, in if you are doing something physically that you know, is damaging your body and you're getting sick from it, then God might just say, you know what, probably you shouldn't be smoking 60 cigarettes a day. Can you get healed if you're smoking 60 cigarettes a day? Yes, because it's already done. But is your faith likely to be effective? If you're smoking 60 cigarettes and you get a lung cancer, do you think you're gonna, your faith is going to prevail enough? It's not, because you're going to be feeling so guilty and condemned and deserving of lung cancer that you're going to really struggle is it because god doesn't want to heal you no it's not because he doesn't want to heal you. it's just you yourself cannot And I asked Mark, 
pray for it. Yeah. And jokingly, he said, oh, God, I'm self-inflicted, so you can't ask for a healing for that. But obviously it's a joke. But then he was like, okay, let's pray for that. So we did pray for it. And, you know, like, literally the day after, it was fine. We actually talk ourselves out of oh, healing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If that was in my old mentality, yeah. Which is what is called unbelief. Yeah. That's so what unbelief is. I don't feel worthy. Well, that's not actually the truth. Now, I'm not saying you should smoke, and I'm not saying you should eat McDonald's every day because it's just stupidity. And actually, you know, you got God gave us resource not to spend on sixty cigarettes a day. That's not really being generous or, you know, anything. So I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, it, there's not a problem asking the question, "Why am I? Why am I not receiving healing?" And and it might be something of just wrong belief somewhere. Just, um, it, it. But what what I think we can't do is just start saying, "Well." blaming God and we're really good at blaming God as Christians and I've given up blaming God because it can't be God's fault now if you want to use the word fault okay otherwise then we have a perfect an imperfect God who is making decisions based on what but according to the scripture it's finished already the decision is made about your healing and that is healed that's the decision made I know we don't see it I cry as much as everybody else, you know, with sickness that isn't healed. I hate it, but I'm not going to say that's because God didn't heal. It's because something is not yet right. And it's not a blame thing. It's let's together get it, do, you know, let's together kind of move on and say, because as soon as you say, well, God didn't do it, you've had it. Because you're probably not going to do it next time either. And. <laughs> I mean, God can deal with us being angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. But I think if your underlying philosophy of life is, you know, well, that's just what I expect of you, God, kind of thing, it's not a real good environment for faith to prevail. God can deal with, uh, you know, did I t have I told you the story of when I was in Malaysia and bleeding? I think I have told you. I've told the story so many times. I'm sure I've told you, but anyway, really quick. Um, so in Malaysia, we didn't have medicine doctors or anything. It was completely no medicine doctors anything. And after about four or five or six weeks of me being there, I, th I started bleeding. But it was really heavy, and it ble I bled for like six weeks. And it was just unbelievably heavy and, and I, I got to the point where I, if I stood up I nearly fainted I couldn't climb the stairs I had to stop halfway on the stairs and I was really sick with it and, and I'm thinking god I'm gonna die I'm actually going to die and, and one of the things that they were really against if everything you know was blood transfusion so I mean blood transfusion like of the devil because it says those are one of the four things that you cannot do is take blood Acts 15, yes. You know, they had the Jerusalem Council and the, they had this discussion about what can Jews do. The, Jew, the non-Jews coming to Jesus, how much of the law did they have to keep? And they came up with four things. They said, we can't put the whole law on them, but we'll do these four things. You can't eat meat strangled. You can't eat meat offered to sacrifice. You can't take blood and no sexual immorality. Yeah. Drink, well, they would be drinking blood. Oh, like, As, like yeah, yeah. 
yeah, whatever. Anyway, sorry, I'm rambling onto this because I really want to finish. So I got to the point where I'm like, what is my dad going to say when they phone him and say, oh, sorry, uh, she's dead, you know, kind of thing. Because I thought, I I, the bleeding is so terrible. So I went to my room and just said, God, I am, what have you done? You brought me here just to die after seven weeks. Don't you care about this? If, if I was you, I'm, like, I'm a gynecologist, right? I know how to deal with this. I said, if I was you, God, I would care more about somebody in my situation than you seem to care about me because I'm bleeding to death. And I know that I can walk to that chemist and I can buy this and this and this. And if I take it in one day, I'll be healed and you don't care about me. I was like, I really had it with God, you know, like absolutely, completely had it with him. And um, after I settled down a bit, and at that time I was reading through the Bible and, you know, we were very much taught the answers in the word, the answers in the words. I'm like, right, God, <laughs> you know, and I got, to, <laughs> I got to read this ridiculous book of Deuteronomy, like what the heck is Deuteronomy going to do for me? And I was like, this is my attitude. So I think, yeah, God can deal with our attitude something sometimes. So I was up to this bit in, um, in Deuteronomy 30. I was just reading through the Bible. And it says, um, it says, I call you, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Really interesting what Phil was talking about yesterday because God sets before us life and death, blessing and cursing. So, so there is an opportunity. It's not because God wants us. It's just there's all this opportunity in life. But the amazing thing about God is he says, choose life. The answer is life, you know. <laughs> Just in case, just in case there's any, yeah. And then he says in verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. And, and for me at that time, that really spoke to me because I was really saying, God, you are the healer, and, and that is the only way I'm going to go. So it says that you may cling to him. And then he says, for he is your life and the length of your days. And it just really spoke to me because I just thought, well, He's my life and the length of my days. So it's kind of settled. If I die tonight, I die tonight. But I don't think I will die tonight. And, and God really set me free through this little verse because I thought, I'm not going to die. I am not going to die. The bleeding didn't stop for two more weeks, I don't think. But at one point, I just, I just um, we had this thing in church sometimes where people ran with the banners and Somebody told me to run, and I'm like, run, I can't even stand up without, like, fainting. But I don't know, I just got something rise up in me, and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to run and stop like that. I know. So anyway, um, you can have a bit of a Deuteronomy 30 towards the end. I mean, that was just my personal rhema word at that time, because it's just like God was encouraging me, you can cling to me, and at the end of the day... You know, it just helped me at that time. Right. Okay. I just want to show you this little bit um, because going back to the Passover, um, you know, we talked about the fact that they didn't only take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost. They also ate of the flesh of the lamb and then none of them were feeble going out of Egypt. And then there's this passage in 1 Corinthians 11 that Paul is talking about the... Lord's Supper, which was this, you know, when Jesus broke bread with his disciples, he said, do this. So he broke bread and he shared the wine with them. And he said, do this and remember me. And, and what he's actually saying is it, do it and remember what I did. 
it's not, you know, just in case you forget you ever had a friend called Jesus. He's saying, do it and remember me. So what, what were we to do to remember him? It was break the bread and drink the wine. And that's what we still do today because that's what he said. You know, do this and remember me. And what I think it means is proclaim what happened. Remind yourself of the truth. And what is the truth of the bread and the wine? Well, it's Isaiah 53, isn't it? It's, it's you know, the shed blood of Jesus. By his stripes we are healed by his broken body. It's about our sin being on his body. It's our body broken. And that is about forgiveness of sins and healing of our body. It's the same deal. So there's this whole passage that Paul talks about, this conduct of the Holy Communion, because apparently the Corinthian church had gone a bit off the rails. People were coming in drunk. They obviously had it more of a meal than we do. People were coming and eating all the food before they'd started. Or I don't know what was happening, but there was some disciplinary action that Paul was kind of trying to bring in. So 1 Corinthians 11:23 says, For I received from the Lord that which was delivered, also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And, and Jesus had got into a lot of trouble a few weeks earlier, saying to the Jews, well, I don't know whether it was a few weeks, but within the time earlier, saying, you know, you will eat of my body and you will drink my blood. And the, the Pharisees were like, he's talking about cannibalism, the, this guy, you know, he's we've got to do something about him but when Jesus broke the bread he said this is my body which is broken for you and do this in remembrance of me and in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me so it's not to remember Jesus ever existed it's to I think it's an issue of declaring this is our faith this is what Jesus did this is the cross and this is what happened at the cross he became a curse for me. He became sin for me. My sickness was dealt once and for all in his body. Um, and then he says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You declare what he did until he comes. And then it says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Very challenging scripture because we've all been well most of us have been taught you've got to be worthy because if you take communion in and you're unworthy then so if you're not a christian if you've sinned and not confessed your sin if you've done something bad it doesn't say that okay it says in an unworthy manner and then it then it tells you what an unworthy manner is so it says let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup and there's another verse where he said, examine yourself. So we've all kind of gone up to communion like, God, what have I done wrong this week? What a sin have I got to confess? Am I in faith? Am I not in faith? Am I worthy? Am I not worthy? And that's not what it's saying. So it says in 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner. Okay, if you were worthy to take communion, you would not need to take it because you would be called Jesus. Okay, none of us are worthy in that way to take communion the very fact that we're taking communion is we're saying this is our worth this is it this is what we're declaring it's not anything i've done it's this so this is the unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself this is the unworthy manner not discerning the lord's body 
So it's interesting, isn't it? Paul is saying this is the way that you get a problem. You don't discern the Lord's body. He doesn't say you don't discern the Lord's cup, blood. He says it's the body you don't discern. And I think what it's saying is if you're not really understanding and, and having a clear revelation of this is what it's about. It's about healing of my sickness, forgiveness of my sins, no longer a curse, etc., etc. Fascinatingly, it then says, verse 30, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For this reason, you don't know what the body's about. You're not discerning what the body's about. It says here, that's why so many of you more listless and others have gone to an early grave. Say the first bit again. <coughs> That's why so many of you even now are listless. Yeah, listless. And sick and Weak, others yeah. have gone to an so, early So what does the early, what's the previous You're running verse. risk of serious consequences. Go on. If you give no thought or worse don't care about the broken body of the masses when you eat and drink, you're running the risk of serious consequences. That's why so many of you even now are listless and sick and others have gone to an early grave. You see, we don't like this because we then start thinking, oh, it's all about me and I've got to do something and, and all the rest of it. But, but early grave means you die, you die before you wanted to. Well, I think let's pay attention then, you know, because we don't want people that. And it's talking about the unworthy manner. And the unworthy manner is not discerning the Lord's body. It's not realizing it's, it's part of our fantastic deal. And a lot of Christians don't believe it's part of our fantastic deal. They believe we have forgiveness of sin. It is massive. It's half of the gospel. We only teach half the gospel. How many of us preach the gospel? You know, Jesus went to the cross to forgive your sin, confess your sin, repent, say you believe in him and you're... That's it, isn't it? Because we've left out half of it. And we've done it for centuries. Which is why I believe one of the reasons is we just haven't received, haven't walked in our inheritance of healing, which we ought to have as the body of Christ. So I mean, the whole point, the whole major part of Jesus Yeah, and it was physical healing. Well, people say he was just trying to prove that he was God, so people would believe, but actually... The miracles didn't make people believe, and many of the miracles, he said to people, don't tell anybody. So he wasn't doing them to prove he was God. He was doing them because it's who he is. <laughs> yeah. Well, then the disciples, no, and the disciples, that yeah, they didn't follow him, and, and at the end of the day, it is huge, yeah. And the disciples that, that, that he, you know, were with him did go out and heal the sick and say, Which is why it's at the cross. Yeah, it is. Mm. So I ha that's why the interesting thing was, you know, I talk about my time in Malaysia, and people say, oh, so did you see everybody healed? And the answer is no, we didn't see everybody healed. And I'd, I'd love to be able to give you this, like, formula of, you know, ABC guaranteed 100% healing. But I do think a lot of it is living in divine health which is slightly different. Uh, so it's, it's how you deal with, with sickness and it's how, you, it's, it's how much time you give it and how much, kind of, how much, how much we embrace it. Um, and I think it's... 
I'm going to get in trouble by this, by you answering this question. But if you decide to lie in bed for a week because you don't feel very well, probably you're just going to not get healed. Because you, you, there is, we live in this gain of being sick. Now, I'm not saying you don't rest or whatever. I'm, I, I don't want to answer this question in that way. Because I just think some people love getting sick. They can have a day off work. Some people love getting sick because they can, you know, um, it's an excuse. Love getting sick because their mum used to, you know, take them to the shop and buy them sweets so they feel really loved or whatever. And I'm not saying we're not compassionate on the sick and, and whatever. But I tell you, life really changes when you, when you decide that you're going to rely on faith for your healing and not on anything else. I'm not saying it's the right decision to make, but I'm just saying when you do that, I mean, sickness does not have the same place that it has when, you, when you're, you know. But that's partly my personal kind of little hobby horse, which I don't really want to teach. There's lots of sickness behavior. There's lots of gain to being sick in this country. You don't have to work, for example. You get paid. You don't have to bother about doing anything. So there's lots of those kind of attitudes to sickness that... And certainly in our country where you get free health care, I mean, we, when the health service started in this country, the absolute belief was that within 40 years there would be no need for a health service because the health service would have dealt with the sickness of the people. But actually what has happened now is there's more money than ever going into the health service and more people are sick than they've ever been because medicine doesn't make people better in that way. I'm not saying there's no benefit to it. I'm not saying that, you know, people aren't living longer and therefore they're just getting more disease because they're older. It's, it's a complex issue. But it, it's, it's just fascinating. So then the part, part of the problem is as well that we take sickness given. Yeah. We accept it, yeah. And, and we take it as part of our expectation of our life. And I, I, I've, I've got testimony and of success and test me failure but so one day in Malaysia I was walking down a concrete a kind of tiled area and I had my camera with me and I was trying to take a photograph and I hadn't realized that there was this very very small little step like this on the corridor and I stepped on it and cracked my ankle and fell over and you know when you do that and your ankle cracks and I went sliding along the floor and my camera went sliding off. And I just thought, God, I've done something really, really bad here. Because you just know. And, and I just got up. I said, there's nothing wrong with you. I am not having anything wrong with this ankle. There's nothing. You get up and walk. And I just got up and walked. I just thought, no, I'm not having it broken. I'm not having it sprained. I'm not having it. I'm just not having it. So I walked off and walked and carried on the rest of the day. Didn't tell anyone I'd fallen, didn't anything. And it was absolutely fine. It was really absolutely fine. And that, that day, the following day, I was, I was in another place and I was traveling to a, back home. And, and it's quite a rural area, one of those places where you have to walk along the tarmac to the plane. There's no kind of... So I knew I'd got my luggage and, and I had to walk quite a long way. And um, in the middle of the night, four o'clock in the morning, I woke up with this surf pain in my ankle. I looked at my ankle, my ankle was like this big and blue. 
and the pain was so terrible and I just thought god how am I ever going to get on the plane it's like and and for like one hour it was absolutely awful and I, and I just kind of like told it to go away and said I'm not having it I'm not having a broken ankle I'm not having anything wrong with this ankle I'm just having a bit of a rant at it because I'm not choosing to go to the hospital and get an x-ray I'm just not having it I'm just not gonna have this problem with my ankle because it's my right for healing and then I went to sleep woke up and it had gone again It's weird. I can't tell you it's easy and I can't tell you, but I'm happy not to have had my leg in plaster for six weeks and it was a bit swollen for a few weeks and it was a bit sore, but... And, and I'm not... It's just, had I gone to the doctor and had phoned an ambulance and whatever, I probably would have had a sprained or broken or chipped ankle. I probably would have been in plaster for six weeks or whatever. So what? I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But because we embrace it as this is what's happened, and mostly we don't actually take the authority we've got and, and, and command healing. And honestly, there's times I've commanded healing and I've not got better. Okay? So I'd love to tell you this is the way, but I feel excited that there is another way. And unfortunately for us in the Western world, we don't really have to bother about another way until we get incurable cancer. And then we, you know, kind of struggle a bit because we don't like, often see people healed of cancer. You have a stroke, you can't exactly tell <laughs> Although we, we did speak. have a guy, we did have a guy who was a member of staff, and he was in the shower uh, in his 50s, and he'd had a, previously had heart trouble and had got healed of heart trouble, and he woke up, and he went in the shower, and when he got in the shower, he got numbness down both legs, and he had to hold onto the wall of the bathroom with his good arm. And he held on there for 10 minutes and said, no, you are not taking my life. You are not taking, you know, you're not stealing from my wife. You are not having it. I'm not having it. You are not. He's fine. It is. It's really fascinating. And, and I wish I could tell you that that is the absolute way to completely do it every time. But what I'm saying is it, it's, we don't do it. Certainly in the West we don't do it because we're just like, you know, have a few days off. We never took anyone to hospital. Even if the arm was cut off. No. We have a girl. We had a girl, right? Okay. There's a girl who was. She was quite into the ministry, but her husband was not. Yeah. He was probably a Christian, but not really. But she was somebody who came to, came rather than was kind of part of staff or full time. And she was putting some bags away in the attic and fell off the ladder. And she got a compound fracture of her arm, which is where the bones stick out. I know. I've, I've got the picture somewhere. I should have brought them. And, uh, yeah. And so her husband said to her, because she was at home, I take to hospital. She said, I don't want to go to hospital. Take me to church. So he's like, are you sure? She said, yeah, I'm sure. So she came with a, she came with a piece of wood on her arm like this. And um, Pastor Jean doesn't like any anything vaguely medical or anything she just like everything purely you know if you had a plaster on she'd kind of reveal it was just her okay anyway just this is just what it is so it was horrible and and I at that time was really struggling because it's like I can't god I can't I don't have any faith for this because I was so into medicine I just thought just go to the hospital please I can't god's not going to heal this you know that's what I was thinking so I kept out of the way thinking these guys are mad you know Anyway, 
she was really sure she didn't want to go. And um, that night, uh, obviously she's in pain and obviously it's like bad. Um, kind of prayed with her and whatever. And Pastor Jean said to her, just lift your arm up. Just lift your arm up and worship God. And I'm like, don't be mad. She can't lift her arm up. It's like, and she did. She just lifted her arm up like this. And the bone went in about two inches. And then it didn't get better immediately. It took a few weeks, but she never got infection. She never got sick from it. She never got anything on her arm. You'd never know. She's got a tiny little hole here. Those fractures can't heal. I, I mean, we learn about it in medical school. You know, you need a big operation. You're really likely to get infected. And Whoa. I, I should have brought the pictures. I forgot about that. Say that again, where somebody wouldn't have Well, I guess if somebody somebody dies, then you wonder whether they would have been better off in the hospital. <laughs> we, I mean, we had it wasn't all great, but we did have some fun. We, well, not really fun. <laughs> they they this people in Australia, their her husband, this young girl, her husband was really sick, and basically. Um, He'd already basically died in Australia. He'd, he'd got a long-standing chronic sickness. He'd had kidney failure. He's on dialysis and got something else wrong with him, something wrong with his brain and everything. So they decided to bring him to Malaysia. And he died on the plane, but they didn't tell anybody. <laughs> they managed to get him through immigration in the wheelchair. <laughs> I mean, we, we had some really kind of... It was quite an interesting life in that respect. <laughs> no, we prayed for him for three days to raise him from the dead, but he didn't. <laughs> we tried. I mean, if anybody tried hard enough to raise, everybody really wanted to see someone raised from the dead, and we didn't oh, yet. Oh, but... story. <laughs> sit, sit next to him, but you don't know about him. Well, I mean, his wife was with him. I think, I mean, I think certainly by the time they got to Passport, he was dead. They knew he was dead. I mean, I, I don't know whether he was alive when they got him in the wheelchair or whether they just had to put him in the wheelchair. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.